didn't want to try to obscure the picture, the tapestry that's up there. Someone actually had brought that back from Belgium and offered it to the parish, so that is where that's from, where it's from. Um, it's quite a nice, nice little piece, and just especially to use to celebrate feasts of Mary. I hadn't really thought of it, but I was reading, I believe in the Magnificat, that it was kind of um, historical that the Feast of the Assumption of Mary was declared in 1950, just a few years after the devastation of World War II. And it said Europe was really in a very, very difficult time, a very dark time. And if you've seen some art of that period, it's really kind of dark. It's almost like despairing, almost like you just, you can see the discouragement in the art of that, of that period. Because those who survived still were left with the devastation of so much. And so many of them had lost, even the entire cities and towns had been destroyed and wiped out. So the devastation is not something we can comprehend very well. And then declaring the feast of the Assumption of Mary, focusing on that her body shared in the fullness of the resurrection, the fullness of life, um, was to give some hope to a people who had seen so much destruction of human life, so many bodies that just in a way had littered the streets and the villages and towns, you know, that took a long time, really, um, I don't say to overcome, but even to have hope again. I never realized how devastating it was until I met this woman in one of the parishes I was in. She had left the church some time before, but she'd come back for a funeral of a friend of hers, then called me and asked if I would come and, and talk with her from Holland, and she said, the devastation was so much that's why we lost faith. We just couldn't believe that there could be a God and allow this much destruction of human life. And so many people had been destroyed and, and killed. She said it just like it crushed almost all of Europe. That sometimes when we, you know, fall to Europe of, you know, not being practicing or they don't seem to be very strong in the practice of their faith, but maybe we've never experienced the kind of devastation that just in a way crushed people's spirits, crushed people and they just had nothing to lift up. They had lost basically hope and trust in humanity and God in just life. Anyway, she did come back. And then she told me at a later point, a later point in time that her family was really surprised that she was coming back to church. <laughs> they were so amazed. She was the only one in the family that was a practice that became a practicing Catholic. The great thing, well, the great thing about it was, she also got word that her young niece had come down with cancer. And so I said, let's ask the school children to pray for your niece. And the great thing about it, they prayed for her, and then she gave me word. The family said, there's been a miracle. 
the niece was cured of the cancer and it disappeared. And so they went back to church. <laughs> and it was just like, but the faith of the young children in their innocence and their prayer, I really believe got the grace and the mercy of God for this family. And through that brought not just the, the girl to life, also restored the faith of the family in God's care and love for them. So I don't know what happened after that, but it was just like, just one of those delightful moments, delightful times and say, thank you, Lord. But I think, you know, the, through the intercession of those small children of the school, that that's what they attributed to. And she had told them the school children were praying for, for her. And um, when she totally had a recovery, complete recovery, they were just, a miracle has happened. But as we celebrate the feast, it, uh, it tells us we need to honor the sacredness of the human body. That's, it's not something to be destroyed, not something to be discarded. It's part of God's creation. My aunt told me the story when her, she said her husband, he had come down with Alzheimer's and was battling with a lot of things and a lot of discouragement. And he said he wondered if really he had done anything worthwhile with his life. And she said, you know, we had seven children. We created seven living tabernacles for Jesus in which for Jesus to dwell. And so that's the image from that first reading. The Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle. The Ark was where they placed the Ten Commandments and the Ark is where they felt God dwelled among his people. And so of course, Mary, in her saying yes, became the living Ark, the tabernacle in which Christ dwelled in coming into our world. And so tabernacle there, out the school children to know that is one tabernacle. And when you receive Jesus, you are a tabernacle, just like that tabernacle. You're carrying Jesus as fully and really and truly as Jesus, is, as Jesus is in that tabernacle right there. Yes, he is there, but he is also within you and you and you. You are living tabernacle and realize, yes, vessels of clay that we are, but oh, what a treasure we hold within those vessels. And that's what I think this feast celebrates. But think of the way that Mary's body not only conceived and bore Christ and gave birth to him, but she nursed him, she held him, she rocked him, probably sang to him, probably helped him learn to walk and walking along the hillside with him. How many times did she share her faith and love of God with him? And just uh, in a way stirring up the joy and the life and delight that he had, that God was so close to him and so close within him. And then for Mary to experience seeing the body of her son being destroyed and holding her body, his body down at the foot of the cross. You know, what, what must have gone through her mind? I wondered when she was holding the body, the dead body of Jesus, how she heard the words of the angel saying, 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. How did she ever feel that the Lord was with her? And as she heard the words of Elizabeth, and blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. There was the fruit of her womb that she was holding in her arms and just crushed in spirit, somehow, somehow faith in this darkest, darkest moment. There's no story of Jesus um, appearing to Mary after the, re the resurrection. He appeared to many others. But I wonder, because Mary was so united with him, did she also spiritually experience the depth of her sorrow, I mean, the depth of his death, the darkness, that ultimately when the resurrection began, did she not experience the beginning of receiving that life of her son within her, just like she had received the life of her son within her womb, and now within her whole being, experience his coming to life in a new form, a new way, and a new power, that she would experience the power of his resurrection within her very self. And then how could it have been otherwise when Mary passed from death and physically died that her son was not also embracing her body? And embracing her body his embrace would have been an embrace of life. He'd given life to the widow's son. He'd given life to Lazarus. How could he not have given life to the very totality of his mother, who'd given her all for him? Would he not also give all that he was and all that he had to her as well? How could the assumption of Mary not taken place. And that assumption of Mary is telling each of us the body is sacred, treasure that, honor that, respect that, and one day your body, which has been used in so many ways to serve God, your body too will come to rejoice in the fullness of the resurrection. God bless.